Josh Williams here, and welcome to another bonus episode of the One Man Podcast. Today, my guest is a phenomenal comedian, guys. Uh, you may have seen him on This Is Not Happening. He's also got a special on Netflix called Pete Johansson. You may also like Pete Johansson. Oh, you may also enjoy. Oh, you also enjoy. <laughs> Damn it. Well, now you guys know what to search for. Uh, Pete Johansson is my guest today. Hey, Josh. What's or, up, man? Not I'm just, much. I'm just texting. Do we got to talk right now? <laughs> we can, Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. Do your thing. Yeah, Pete and I have been uh, sitting here for, what, 30 minutes just talking technology and different things like that. We're both clearly, uh, what is it, technophiles? Is that a thing that they call? Uh, yeah, I think so. Is that where, yeah, that's where you take the cord and you wrap around your balls and you jerk off to it? <laughs> is that the thing? That's... You know, it will be all after right. this podcast comes out. That <laughs> will be a thing. Why did you? Why did you got to go blue out of the gate, Pete? What's that all about? I'm good for. I know. Do I never know how to start? So really? whatever. Yeah, because we can start like all like these episodes are, are about whomever the guest is. Today it's you. So okay. I'm going to ask you questions that are going to feel you know formulaic and stuff at times. Formulaic. Yeah, but okay. it's fun for us to just talk about whatever the fuck. We are. And that way we just we off the top we are. Uh, I hear you. I hear you. Going whatever direction we're doing. This is the first time I've ever done it without a table. We're doing it in Pete's living room. This is room. a table. This is an ottoman table. It's it's both an ottoman and a table. That's why it has to have the thing on top. This this thing is <sighs> name it. They can't see it. Uh, it's like a silver <laughs> tray that goes on top of it. it. So you get all the benefits of putting your feet up on it, but you can also put drinks on it too. So it's like but that's it's, because the tray is doing the but job that's, of that. That's the multi. That's I mean, your couch is a table too. A, if you put the tray a, on this it, this is a deep design thing that's been big for a little while, and I, I just sort of jumped on board. I, I, I saw. Okay, yeah, you're probably right. It's if you put like a like a touch screen in it, then I go, okay, I get it. I'm behind the times on that. Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> I got the Google Home. I don't. I'm not so touch oriented. I can say stuff and have it work. That's true. So. But you have Siri as well. She'll do that for you too. Yeah, I don't. Siri doesn't control my lights. Uh, she are you uh, are you keeping your eye on the, the home pod or whatever it's called that comes out in the new year yeah they keep pushing the release date you know and I, I really think Apple missed the boat on that although there's huge integration with Siri already in a lot of people's lives here's my big problem with Siri it doesn't work with Spotify Spotify oh, really? okay. is it's the shit it is the shit with music and if you don't work with Spotify I don't think you're gonna you're gonna win the 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 smart speaker uh, game that makes sense. You got seventy million subscribers to Spotify, and you've only got five million to Apple Music. So, so what's the difference? Because I have Apple Music, and I haven't run into anything where I can't get something yet. Well, like I, I don't care about Metallica. I think they're the only ones that don't play ball with that stuff. Yeah, I don't. Uh, well, you can't get Tool on Spotify, which I find frustrating. Uh, too. Um, I just uh, I don't really know that. I just Spotify just integrates real well and smart with everything. It just it doesn't seem like they're playing any. I don't know to be honest with you. I just like Spotify more. Apple Music I find frustrating because I have to take it. Right. You know, I don't want to be told I have to. That's yeah. I actually find that that's most people's argument with Apple versus Samsung, Android, whatever it is. Also, it's it's Apple makes you do it one way, and Samsung you can customize or do it however you yeah, want. Yeah, I, I almost went with Samsung. I was very near going with Samsung this year. I really like their products, but uh, it's the Apple Watch that kept me because I like the Apple Watch. Yeah, and that's the only thing that kept me with Apple iPhone. And now you got the ten. Yeah, is this all just me bragging for an hour? No, it's a, it's just hey, start. This Pete, is Pete seems like a good target to rob. This is how we let people know you're very successful in your company. Not your career. successful. That's, I, what does successful mean in Canada? My God, I did uh, I did a show at Massey Hall on New Year's Eve, and I finished my set, and I'd been on stage for twenty minutes, and I went around front because I wanted to get a picture of of the thing because I, I never had a picture of a poster with me with uh, somebody like Robert Klein. You know, it was me and Robert Klein on the poster. 
And I did that. And uh, when I walked in the door, there's like 30 people there and they all like, are you our Uber driver? I was like, yes. <laughs> I saw your Instagram post. I was like, that's hysterical. I was like, I've just been in front. Of, I've been on stage for 20 minutes in front of these people. They, they have my name on their ticket stuff. <laughs> but here's, you know why I found that particularly funny? Uh, I do drive Uber in Ottawa and I have been people's both comedian and Uber driver. Really? Before. I wanted to drive yeah. them home. I wanted to drive them all home. I, all of my heart was like, oh yes. Cause that nothing, uh, there's the beauty of the humility of doing uh, comedy in this country is that it does. You, you, realize that you, you can't be a egotistical twat mm-hmm. you know <laughs> like, that's true you just you can't although i think being egotistical is a huge advantage but i can't do it you know americans i'm always in awe of the confidence of american comics they come in i'm the greatest i'm like you are <laughs> i didn't know that i really didn't know that and like wow they really believe they're the greatest <laughs> I, I don't know what it is but they, it's almost like they're trained to they're like no you are the greatest well i think i'm just no you're the greatest i don't know That's i it. i am i know almost no canadian comics like that like and i know some incredibly good canadian comics we all suffer from low self-esteem yep like it is just, it's incredible. Like I think it's just, it's just like perpetual humility. It's even like yes, low self esteem, but even just the idea to yeah. just walk up and be like, I'm the greatest. We're almost like, I don't. Well, I, I'll, I'm sure, I'm sure there's someone else. We don't want anyone to feel bad. And to say I'm the greatest means that you immediately yeah. make everyone else not the greatest. But a lot of us do play with the idea of of ego and status. Like I, like right. I love pretending I'm the greatest, but I clearly everybody that knows me that's Canadian knows I, I don't think that. <laughs> um, but then Americans don't pick up on that. I, I think that comes down to that whole concept of sarcasm and our, the way how we are about the most sarcastic country on the planet. Yeah, like people. I, uh, people are mind boggled by how sarcastic Canadians are. It's kind of wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only way that we can get our anger out. I it's, think that's it's why incrementally thinks we're good though too. Cause we say good things sarcastically like, Oh yeah, sure. Everybody come here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We want you all to be here. We'll, we'll welcome oh, you. We want the best for everyone. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> we're awful people. <laughs> that's funny. How long, how long have you been doing stand up now? 25 years i think that's awesome it's a great benchmark 25 years is it that's you get a, something for that anniversary diamond 25th? anniversary is yeah. that what it is i don't know i think my bro- my wife probably got me a diamond butt plug that's probably what it was <laughs> and incrementally you know one that she can increase the weight on like some sort of magnet on the floor that that would be funny development that you could if there's a magnet in the fl- no i'm th- overthinking it overthinking it that's how dude that's how technology comes around right you gotta think it dream it just a butt plug with a magnet in the floor that's so strong it just drags you down to the floor just <laughs> like, that's how you get it oh uh, yeah it'd be funny if it had like a two-part thing like some of those iphone clips you put one in and then the magnet just sucks oh. in. It would help insert it right oh yeah yeah like it automatically finds it. like yeah like the magnet uh, the magnetic charger thing <gasps> what it'd be weird if we had to charge ourselves in our butt instead of eating i would almost rather that at times yeah yeah I, we'd still overcharge ourselves <laughs> I'd be like, man, Pete, you gotta lay off the charging dude <laughs> unplug you, man you've been charging all day what the hell yeah <laughs> why are you so slow i'm just overcharged man just... i do find sexuality weird in that it's one of the few things that we do that's purely pleasurable that doesn't seem to have a bad uh, like a like it doesn't seem to uh, make you fat like i i mean it's hard time as i get older i prefer pizza to sex and i think most people do but pizza has the downside of it's making me fat, whereas you know sexuality no, doesn't make you doesn't make you fat. Keeping <laughs> sort of saying so we don't mean it, we use it for hyperbolic effect, and I think that there's a frustrated, um, 
sort of uh, incredibly poorly treated group of our society right mm-hmm. now that's sort of getting their voice. And more than anything with the Me Too thing is uh, I, I thought it was a real, I mean, I, I kind of knew most of this, right? but I think it's eye-opening to a lot of people. And I think it was a powerful device. My only, my concern with things, I think my Me Too is kind of a great, great thing. You know, I think it's a good thing as well. I think that the uh, what I, my point was the the arguments that come from it is some of the people but use there it as an opportunity. Be any to fight. Arguments. There should just be people going, "Wow, yeah, that's <laughs> that's a lot." You know, yeah. like I mean, what are you arguing? Like, what? There, women didn't have a shitty time. <laughs> like, what's the? Argument? No, no, of course. Like, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps that was a bad example. I guess it's, uh, no, it's no, one I of the know, more. I, but I, but you're right. That's that's the problem with Facebook is that it puts everything into sort of this combative sort of thing. But the, but here's, I don't know if I'm wording this right, but the thing that I've tried and I try to hit myself with all the time is that everybody has faults, right. everyone, and you can't hold people to this sort of, and this is kind of the problem with the modern sort of dialogue is that we're not letting people fuck up and make mistakes. We've got to let everybody make mistakes. Some mistakes are more serious than others. And some require far more, you know, education, retribution, punishment, if you will. Although I'm not a fan of punishment, I'm more of a fan of uh, rehabilitation and transition. But mm-hmm. teach their own. I can't dictate my values on you and how you feel that, you know, people that violate, you know, general codes should be. But, you know, I'm just one person and society has to make that statement. So, you mm-hmm. know, I'm just in my own participatory agreement is protect society, rehabilitate. I don't know if punishment's the right path, but every, you know, that's not what society feels. So I'll go along with society until that changes. Um, but we do have to, we have to hear the pain of everybody. Mm-hmm. We have to acknowledge that it's there. We have to listen and we don't have to correct every mistake they make at first. Right. Right now, just listen. Just listen. And then when the the temperature cools down a little, they've had their voice, then let's bring it back to the some traditional ideas of of social justice and 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 validation. Sort of reintroduce these these long truths about, you know, uh each situation has to be read on its own accord. And and the fact that is 99% of them are probably it could be awful or or you know, 80% of them, but each instance you can't just have a blanket. You know, everybody's entitled to justice. Right. And that goes for both sides of it. And it's painful as it is. I want to live in a world where everybody gets a, 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 a just. A fair shake. Yeah. Thing. But you know what? There's a, the, the, you cannot deny that men have been awful to women for a really long time. Oh, of course. And you know what? And you also can't deny that they have a right to be outraged as much as they want right now for a while. And you know what? If there's a little bit of unfairness, got to fucking roll with it because they've had a lot of unfairness for a long time too. But let's work towards the best outlet. Right. You know? Yeah, of course. It's, it's, I recall, you want to know what I've, I've been thinking about? This reminds me of a little bit. Yeah. 9-11. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 9-11, the, in a way, women have had a 9-11 against them for a long time, mm-hmm. you know? And we're all coming to the terms of like, there's this, you know, this has been fucking brutal. What's, you know, what's been happening to women where they haven't had a voice and this, but 
what we've got to be careful of is whether we t- deal with 9-11 the way the U.S. did and attack the wrong country. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um, that can easily be done because as our sympathies pour out, we don't want to then commit an atrocity in the other direction, which is what Iraq was, where you know we killed you know, 1.5 million people that had nothing to do with 9-11. That's horrific. Mm-hmm. And we... You know, so we have the sympathies. There's no question a tragedy has been committed, but let's guide this towards getting the right. Yes. And that's, I mean, the U.S. could have attacked Brazil after 9-11 and the world would have shut up and said, oh, you know what? And that just happened. Oh, fuck Brazil. I mean, the U.S. had a bad thing happen. (laughs) Yeah. We would have rolled with it. They, they chose Iraq. It's unfortunate, you know, we, but we want to attack the proper sort of thing. I don't know. I, I mean, no, I agree with you hundred percent. And that's, but, that's why I say like, I, I agree. You know, but do you remember what happened when Canada stood up and told the U S that we didn't want to go with them in Iraq? We're the only Western country that stood up mm-hmm. and it was the, you know, their uh, Canada went through fucking hell for five years after that. You know, our borders got fucking turned into military zones. Everybody had to get a passport. They fucking threw sanctions on us. They toppled our government. The only reason Stephen Harper got in power is because we didn't follow the U.S. into Iraq, mm-hmm. you know, and fucking right-wing money flooded into this country, flooded in to support the the, the conservatives in their win. And that's the, uh, the, the liberal government got toppled by that mm-hmm. because they got like under the table, like at least a billion dollars of subversive right-wing money came into this country focused specifically on toppling our government to become a more Bush friendly government. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going to happen. We got to be careful about how we do things. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, there's a lesson. Listen, be good. Don't become a tool for evil support, but you know. And I'm, I'm all about, like, like you said too, it's more about rehabilitating and not punishing. Yeah. There's so much of it. Cause my, my position on a lot of that stuff is like I said, I support what was happening, but looking at how people were positioning, cause the idea is that all of it comes from a lack of, of uh, knowledge and, and, and information education on what's going on. Cause a lot of people just think, oh, it can't possibly a lot of, a lot of guys positions that I saw was, oh, it can't, not every one of these is true, whatever. It's like, but don't, don't have that. Don't look at it like that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And at the same time, when people hear, I, that's what I said about the people here, they feel attacked, they attack back. So I'm all about, listen, if you're trying to get people to, to open their minds and learn in a new way, the, the best thing to do is to create a warm climate to learn in, yeah. as opposed to, like a teacher walking into classroom the first day. She yell, comes in, starts yelling at the students, slap the desk, everyone shut up, or I'm going to send you to the principal's office. And you're like, wow, we just, or the the teacher who wants people to learn by by being calm and making warm. Okay, guys, let's, I mean, it may be a bad example, but. No, I, 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 I get what you're saying. I Again, I feel bad. I don't want to dictate how uh, they, uh, want to approach this problem though i mean i i mean oh even pull poli- pick what pick yeah, yeah that was the it, most recent one yeah, that just no. popped in my head I, no, but i mean but even it, politics if you pick this politician then you're an idiot because this but if you attack someone call them stupid because they don't think the way you do now they're not open to your ideas because you've just attacked them right. and they're gonna they're gonna attack back but if you said well tell me why it is that you think your but way I, i'll tell but you, i also you know? get why they have to do that because there are so many people with stupid opinions, <laughs> and I, it, it's 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 frustrating because uh, this is the problem. Is everybody's kind of ego? It's not dumb people aren't the problem. I've been trying to figure out and how to write this into a bit actually for a while, but it's not dumb people because even smart people are dumb, right? You know, like there's some days I, I might be smart on some days. Some days I have 
incredible mental agility where I can, I can solve and I can address problems. Then some days I will look for my keys for 45 minutes and they're in my pocket. You need like, to get a tile. <laughs> I, 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 I actually have the tiles. I just, Do you? So, uh, I, I, um, but, um, <laughs> we, we all have fluctuating intelligence and problem solving abilities. We all go up and down. I actually think, uh, leaving the house, uh, the, the doorknob should be a puzzle. And if you can't solve it, you know what? Fuck it. I can't go to work today. I'm too stupid oh, that's to work. Fucking smart. Um, <laughs> yeah. Should be adaptable based yeah. on what industry you're well, in. Well, everything should be like that. The internet should be that too. Instead of like logging in with a password, you should be confronted with you know three moral c- questions and then a, a then a, a, a problem. And if you can access those, then you can enter the debate that's online. But if you don't actually pass those abilities, you know you, you can just observe. You can't participate. Yeah, we're going to put this podcast <laughs> on the internet. You're giving these ideas away for free, uh, I, buddy. I got a lot of great ideas that I've been thinking about um <laughs> that's great uh but so they, they have it for drunk dialing don't they just a simple little thing or if you got to make before you can send a text to but, someone. The, but there's no reason social media couldn't have some sort of uh, equitable bar and some days we, we strive to to be that way but we you know there should be an empathetic question there should be a a, a critical values question and a sort of a you know an ability to assess uh, you know, trust and, uh, and, and comedy and humor, mm-hmm. it, depending on which forum you go into, these skills are uh, assessed, you know, <laughs> like, if you don't get sarcasm, maybe you shouldn't go into a comedy forum. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe, no, it's true. maybe, maybe, maybe this forum's not for you. Maybe, maybe you should go over here to the, to the facts and figures forum, but today you, you don't get access to the thing <laughs> like um, porn in the nineties. Are you 18? Yes yeah. or no. That yeah. was, that was their big, but instead of decisive. are you 18, do you have, do you possess the critical factors of what 18 symbolizes in the sense of, do you understand that this is sort of an observatory sort of, uh, uh, this is a, you know, taking advantage of your own sexual animalistic desires in order to, to sell you something mm-hmm. uh you know just the sexuality as a whole i always thought porn could be very useful if it taught foreplay and it taught uh consent mm-hmm. and it taught like i mean how could sex with consent in porn that's that made into something sexy that kids because kids love porn fucking put information in porn that kids like to watch you know yep. teach them actual real uh uh, uh, uh you know, the pleasing of a partner, teach them how teach them how they get to the porn, teach them a natural escalation of human interaction that shows compassion and desire that, that heats the fires of caring about each other that leads to the sex on the way there. You know what? You only get to watch a, this much porn is if you actually watched how to interact with, respectfully with women for four hours, like and training then, modules. Yeah. And, and then you job. level up to porn, you level up to it, man. You know, it's like, Oh, Hey, you don't, you know, you don't freak out when somebody uh, says no to you. You, uh, you respect their boundaries. You get all, you go through all those things and then you get a fucking load of porn at the end. Cause that's how life is. You yep. know, you actually evolve. You actually learn how to interact with somebody. You learn that they're, that they're humans that have dreams and hopes that feel pain. And you want to, you want to fuel their, their, their love and compassion for you and for, and you give that back to them. And then that builds into the fucking dirty sex that everybody wants, <laughs> you know, cause that's real, you know, but where's that, where's that, that. That's how porn should nope, work. It's just a large pizza delivered to your door. <laughs> yeah, That's all yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> hey, ladies. I heard there's sauce? something wrong with your cable. Yeah. We just switched around. Hey, ladies. I heard working. that none of you like foreplay. <laughs> that's, that's the more realistic part. I have to be back at the <laughs> shop in 20 minutes. I don't have time for your needs. God, have you ever uh, watched some 80s porn where they're not even licking on their clitoris with their oral sex? They're like, I've watched porn where they're nowhere near. It's because the, the bush is like a, like a, what do you call it? An airbag that I know, keeps but them this, from getting. This trained a generation 
oppression of men. You know, it's like, well, I was looking. No, you're, that's not. That's above. That's above. And and they don't. Most men don't even realize that the clitoris uh, expands around the vagina and goes. There's two wings that are beautiful wings that that go around the opening of the vulva. And that uh, is that my cat. I don't um, know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's it's there's like there's so much education that we could put in places that same with video games. I always thought like video games should have information inside of them. Yeah. Like especially if you're a blockbuster video game, you should be required to have valuable information about, you know, paying your taxes. <laughs> you know, like, or, or like different things like uh you know like how you you know you know what would be a good idea is if you know you were considerate on the road and you used your blinkers like just little, yeah little, they're little not things. there for you they're there for everyone <laughs> yeah, else like like just like things that you know that everybody <laughs> needs to know but put inside of the stuff we love because where it is right now good knowledge is put in places we don't want to go find it right <laughs> you know, like, yeah you're right you know, and it's like it's like i always love the phrase that ignorance is no defense of the law but mm-hmm. we don't teach law in school so we technically have to know, you know, there's, I think there's something close to 800,000 laws on the books. There's no way the average citizen could know all those things, but not knowing them is no defense of them. So where the fuck am I supposed to learn about them? They should be taught in school, but they don't want to teach those in school because then if we actually know the laws, we'll obey the laws and then they can't profit off the laws right? and they can't profit off yep. the manipulation of it. So it's like, what? no, ignorance is a good defense of the law, which is why we should teach law in school from a very young age. Right. We should teach law. We should teach consideration. We well, that was, that was the point. Because the that's the other thing they don't teach in school. They don't teach you... <laughs> Like, it's the one thing that everyone wants is love, right? Yeah. We all want love, companionship, compassion. But that's another thing that they don't teach in school. Nobody teaches you. They'll teach you sex. They'll teach you how how we scientifically reproduce and whatnot. Yeah. But they don't teach you how to establish a relationship, how to establish, uh, you know, and that's, respect. That's and, because religious and, people flip out about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, they flip out about the sex, but they'd also flip out about the every other aspect of, well, women are subservient to men. Why would they have yeah. to? <laughs> like, and it's funny because you come out of school, everyone, everyone, it's like, it's the one thing that we're all supposed to be chasing, not supposed to be, but just even biologically, we chase the companionship, the, the mate, yeah. a partner. And it's, we have, none of us have any skills on it. You know what I mean? We yeah. come out and it's like, you know, you do have, you know, your parents, maybe as an example, my parents were terrible examples of how to oh, have too. a relationship. So it's like, yeah. so, I mean, I got into a relationship. I was shit in it. Why? Because I had fucking no experience. And it didn't even mean I didn't respect the other person. I just didn't have the skill set. I'm like that with money. I never saw a good example of how to manage money my entire life. Plus my father raised me to, he convinced me that the world was going to end before I was in my, you know, before I was 21. So I never ever paid my bills because mm-hmm. world's it, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah i didn't think i was going to ever live to be 23 live every day so like i took last. out loans and credit cards and i just fucking spent and i and it's like hey what the fuck the world was supposed to end <laughs> and it didn't and so i had to relearn how to manage money on a yeah she's a daredevil isn't she she's, um yeah she's my, watching the cat <laughs> my cat is the most curious fucking she at night if we don't feed her she knocks glasses onto courtney Really? Yeah, yeah. If she leaves a glass or anything, or anything on on the dresser by the bed, she'll start and she'll knock. And one time, uh, she knocked a glass off and it's smashing it. And it's like now we can't put anything on the thing because that's she'll she's brutal when she wants to get fed. In that box, that Amazon box over there that I haven't yeah. opened, is a programmable automatic cat feeder, cat feeder. Nice. That, that works with Google Home, where I can just go feed the cat and it'll automatically, so I don't have to get remotely. Up yeah. Oh, that's even yeah. cool too. Because yeah, you don't have to do it at night, but you could do it remotely from your phone, like Google. Exactly, it goes to the that's phone amazing. and Google Home because she is she needs to be fed like seven times a day, just a little bit, but right, she constantly has to eat. 
I got off. Just watching her there, walk hey? across yeah. the table. <laughs> Sorry. No, it was only like, because I have a Jack Russell. So yeah. when my dog's around doing stuff, I always have to like, I can be in the middle of talking, do something, but I just got to keep an eye because one minute he could just be looking at something and the next minute he's jumping on something and knocking something over. So I just... Whenever I see an animal, just uh, be a little curious. <laughs> just, just keep an eye on it. Yeah, I we she's not the most loving animal, but I love her mm-hmm. a lot. You know, which uh, that's a the cats are good uh, exercise in giving love without reciprocating, which is important, I think, to learn in this life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? I have had two definitions of love in my life that have always stuck with me that I always love. One is uh, f- true love is finding somebody that you want to give to endlessly without expecting anything in return, which I guess is ideally cats. That was, dev- that, that statement was created by a cat. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the other is finding somebody that you want, that you, uh, want to be completely naked in front of body and soul and never hide anything from and that's kind of what I have with my wife where we don't lie. We don't, uh, we, there's no secret. Like if I find somebody attractive or whatever, you don't, you just, you, you share that and you don't, you don't, you'd never keep it secret. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, see, yep. Knock the water bottle. Oh, there's the cat food. Is it? Well, it's a, it looks like cat oh, yeah. kibble, but that's specifically that. Cause that's what she wants. That's her right. treat. She's letting you know. Yeah, yeah. And then she, she just kn- sits and stares at you. She literally heard us talk about it and then did that <laughs> fucking thing. That's isn't that it's hilarious. Like oh, she yeah. knocked shit off the table that she wants us to deal with. <laughs> um, <laughs> just like, I wish everyone could see this. She's just sitting at perched like a gargoyle at the edge of the table, just staring at us, looking down at the container, back at us, down at the container, back at us. Now she's cleaning herself. But there's something wonderful that um, I think a lot of people are scared to experience in um, stripping themselves naked in front of somebody else. Uh, not just uh, bodies one way. I think, I think nude beaches are great for that too. Cause uh, I have a lot of insecurities about my body, my appearance and stuff like that. I don't have a great body and stuff like that, but I find a nude beach um, and, and nude spas that we go to incredibly empowering because you see the humanity of everybody else that we're not perfect creatures. We're yeah. not this illusion that we're fed constantly through media to feel insecure about ourselves, but real people are real people. And there's beauty in every type of body and every type of uh, person. And you judge yourself so much less. And that comes with being uh, almost like a nudist emotionally too. Mm-hmm. And a nudist about your feelings and, and, and you strip down the facades and you, and you do that in front of other people. We become vulnerable. That's yeah. the thing is you become to, to allow yourself to be vulnerable is, is it's scary, but there is a freedom in it. It's fucking that, awesome though. Yeah. And it's, it's awesome to let those things go. And it's let, it's awesome to let somebody know when you're afraid. It's let, it's awesome to let somebody know you don't know the answer, uh, that you're not perfect and that you have flaws. And I, that's something I don't see. And this brings us back to social media. And one of the other reasons I quit social media is that whenever I was honest about how I felt, I found this almost hilarious, but I couldn't respond this way is let's say I didn't have a great show. Right. Right. And I'd go on social media and I go, you know what? I, that wasn't a great show and stuff like that. I would have messages from people going, are you okay? You sound depressed. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because everybody's so used to yeah. this positivity, this rah, rah, rah. The demo good, reel on that Facebook. The second that you're at all real in social media, people think there's something drastically wrong rather than the fact that you're being a human with real 
ups and downs, real sort of fluctuations of, of your everyday life. And I, I was trying to be as, as real as possible on that medium. And all it meant was I was dealing with like eight, nine messages of a day, which is nice that people cared. But at the same point, it was very unrealistic. Yeah. Like you're, you're acting like that's not a normal aspect of humanity to feel bad about certain things, to not love something, to not, you know, we're both, we love and we don't, it, it goes up and down. Yeah. And social media is not allowing us the full spectrum of humanity. Yeah. People panic way worse now when they feel bad because they're like, I shouldn't feel, this isn't right. This isn't healthy. It's What's wrong normal. with me? You're, you're, you're having a bad day. Yeah. Like there's shit happens. Not everything is going to be. Yeah, that's why that's why I call it the demo reel. Everyone looks at Facebook. Look at all these other people who are happy all the time. They're not. That's yeah. everyone just putting the best and out that's, there. That's that's a problem with Instagram still, is because Instagram very much promotes people that are happy that don't have pimples that don't. I always I try to point out my flaws. Yeah, I saw the I airport <laughs> shot from yesterday. <laughs> like I, I just I, I enjoy I I want I want real I want uh, and and I think social media if we were if we were smart about it could make us more real but until we take the profit motive out of it see that's the problem with facebook and instagram and stuff like that is that the reason that they want to manipulate our emotions up and down is because they're trying to make a profit by selling things and you see that you see that in your news feed um you know there are there's all these sort of things that they're trying to monetize off of your emotional instability whether they're based in vanity whether they're based in oh look at her she's letting you pet her um it's it's incredibly profitable for people because how do we treat sadness in the modern world? We, we Medicaid. Buy, yeah, we buy something. We, we we buy something for ourselves. You know, I'll feel better if I get a you know a new coat or a, this or a, and it, we financially hand over money in this sort of thing to feel better. When in fact, all we need to do to feel better is to have people around us that accept us for who we are. Yeah, and that's becoming harder and harder because now we don't allow people to even make one mistake in their life before they're written off. Oh yeah, and that's <laughs> and that's the worst part. I meant to say that earlier when we were discussing the you know people need to be able to make mistakes. You make more mistakes when you're afraid to make mistakes. The more scared you are to do something, that's when you make mistakes. What you fear, you draw near. Yeah, and that's and, the thing. I do it all make, the time if I'm make, stressed. But we also make moral mistakes, and yeah. that's something that people don't seem to understand. There's a great uh, lawyer that defended the poor in uh, for the Southern Poverty Law Center in the U.S. I forget his name off the top of my head, but he's a brilliant lawyer, and he made this defense and says, "Are we to are is our worth that of the worst thing we've ever done?" And I always thought that's an interesting concept. Is the worst thing we've ever done our worth for our lives? Mm-hmm. You know, and the funny thing is, is that people get caught for certain things, but almost everybody's done something pretty bad. Not horrible. Yeah, I don't think everybody's murdered somebody or anything like that. But we've done all done something's pretty bad. But we don't hold our own self worth at that level. But we hold anybody else's at that worst thing that we're knowledgeable of. And like that, you're the guy who dropped that chick at prom. You'll always be that person. <laughs> yeah. I'm, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But I've done, uh, you know, I have, I've, I've made a lot of people cry with things that I thought were funny when I was younger too. And I, and I regret those things. But at the time I didn't possess the intellectual inst- uh, insight or the empathy, to be honest with you, to understand that what I was saying was mean, but now I do. And I wouldn't do it now, but would should I have been stopped at that moment of saying that to never have evolved to the point where I know that, and that's sort of a weird conundrum. And we're not letting certain people, and nobody should have to be the sacrificial 
pain right. to get to that human evolutionary point. But if it's already happened, we do kind of, where do we, what do we do with it? But sometimes do we do we're part of someone else's lesson. And that's the thing yeah. too, is like, I mean, I, I don't believe, necessarily believe everything happens for a reason it feels like kind of a cop-out at times to yeah. say that but at the end of the day like i almost like if i was aware that you know what i'm feeling shitty now but you're helping somebody else i would almost be like okay yeah. well that makes it feel better <laughs> if, if someone else is going to be a better person yeah. because i i was yeah. that part of their their plot but or whatever some days we can be that and some days we can't <laughs> yeah that's the yeah. other thing it's i'd like, love to not always be the fucking some, whipping boy for everybody else some days tutorials. i can be cut off in traffic and go oh man that guy's in a rush i hope he gets there and other days i'm like who the fuck is this guy oh yeah <laughs> they didn't learn anything in that moment they didn't learn anything in that moment but we also you know we, we all fluctuate we're all human we all fuck up we all make mistakes if you continually repeatedly do the same bad thing then yeah, yeah there's something fucking wrong yeah, but if you, I mean, but if you fuck up once and you learn from that, that's okay. That's that's kind of what life's about, right? Yeah. You know? Well, what is it? Even I, I, I'm sure he's not the first one to say it, but I did hear, uh, uh, fuck. Well, there was a character in a movie that I would get in shit for spoiling if I said his name, but he just said that uh, success or sorry, failure is the best teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Because you I mean you don't you don't necessarily learn that much from success, but when you fail, that's when you really learn and grow the most. Yeah. And also, I, I don't want to be, uh, I, I don't want to give away my power to somebody else too. If something bad's happened to me and somebody else does something bad to me, I, there's, and I've been fucked over. And I've, I've had some horrible things happen to me on a different levels of, uh, inappropriate boundaries where people have overstepped, especially when I was younger. I was a very good looking young boy. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, I, as much as they caused me psychic damage at the point at the time, I'd never want to be that person that was held back by those interactions. Right. And you move past them. And that's my personal choice. Some people don't know and can't do that yeah. and that they have to deal with it their way, but we each deal with stuff our own way and you can't fault people for that, but you can wish them peace. Yeah. <laughs> well, some people will take that, that happening and just, that's the excuse for the rest of life to never have to move forward and, and, and whatnot too. And that some becomes... people, but some people, and I honestly, I think it's the precursor to the incident that creates that imp impassable thing, which is why I think we need to demystify and lower the value of, of, of sexuality. Because I think a lot of the shame that people feel is from outsiders judging people for what's happened to them which is an awful characteristic of men. Mm -hmm. uh, the concept of women having sexual experiences being uh, uh, sluts. I think that's so uh, unfair. That, well, it's not just unfair, but it also creates the long-term psychic damage of, of, of it hurting far more than it should. There's a, you know who uh, uh, the girl, it's an essay that I, I read from the girl that was abducted. The, the 13 year old that was abducted, uh, Amy smart. Is it Amy smart? She's but, an actress. No, Elizabeth Smart. Could Elizabeth be. Smart. She was a young girl that was abducted by this man and used as a sexual slave for years. Okay. And she went to this school to give a talk about it. And in front of her was a person that was teaching sexual abstinence to the class and described um, uh, girls as a used up piece of chewing gum. You don't want to, you don't want to chew on gum that's already been chewed on and like giving this example of how sexuality is something to be prized and protected. And then it, it and she wrote this essay about how, she didn't think she was damaged. Mm -hmm. She was, you know, it's horrible what happened to her. There's no question for it, but 
that that didn't change that she was a beautiful and wonderful person with a lot to offer this world. Yeah. And that message of making it seem like sexual sexuality was a damaging aspect. Yeah. That it forever tarnished this person for having sex. Yeah. People was, adopt was, other people's was stigmas. What played, was what played into her being having this outward shame forced upon her for what yep. happened to her when she didn't see herself that way. I thought that's something that we have to address. And that's also comes down to the fact that we, we need to stop treating sex workers. Like they're not fucking actual workers in our society that are doing something. Um, they should be treated with respect and, and love and, and there should be no barriers to them. Like the fact that uh, there's a lot of people that do a lot of things that you might not be able to handle and you might not think are okay for you, but they're doing it and that's mm -hmm. their fucking choice. And you need to open up the, like the way the police didn't research and didn't uh, go after the women in Vancouver that were missing in the lower East side that took 20 fucking years before they seriously took, Hey, there's women prostitutes going missing in Vancouver. They didn't give a shit because mm -hmm. of that mentality that somehow, because they were sex workers, they don't fucking matter. Well, you know what? It's time for that to end. It's time for any woman in any profession, whether they're seamstresses, doctors, PhDs, or sex workers, and all people, whatever you do, everybody's life fucking matters. Mm -hmm. If you go missing, you go missing. Not part of what your employment has anything to do with that. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's too big and out. And the fact that so many people, even my parents, one of the worst fights I ever got in with my mom was about sex workers, uh, going missing and, and she goes well should they kind of ask for it with that lifestyle no nobody asks for it right every single human being yeah you wouldn't you, you, like i mean you're gonna turn around and be like oh yeah a hiker goes missing but, it asked for it someone went jogging they're asking for but it but like, no but that's so ingrained in our society and that's where i find the crux point that's why i think it's so important that we talk about sex workers in our in our public because that's the route where even even the li the liberals and the and the people oh i don't know there's something about no just you listen to them you you listen what do sex workers want what yeah. do they want you ask them and then you give that to them they want protection they want respect they want dignity yeah. and you fucking give it you don't go oh they chose to no fuck you Dude, shut up <laughs> yeah shut up and just listen and and that and from that point when you start doing because every guy i know jerks off to sex workers Every guy, there's not a guy I know and don't even pretend that you, you're a fucking priest or whatever. You jerk off to sex workers someplace, mm -hmm. but they're somehow lower than you. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. You wish you were there with them <laughs> yeah. in that moment, but, you, but, but you're but sitting there. That's, and, uh, but that's a masculine psychology that I fucking despise that we can observe, exploit sexually, and then think lower of that person on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. That's not the way it should be. <laughs> if no, anything, we should be holding them up. <laughs> you know, like if anything, they deserve a little bit more credit than, than other people, <laughs> you know, like that's fuck. They're, they, they, we should have a parade for them every year and celebrate <laughs> the fucking courage and the fact that they've been treated like shit for so many centuries. Like there's like their property or, or just some sort of thing. No, they're fucking well, what, wonderful the world's people. oldest, oldest profession. Right? Yeah. They're, they're I, I, I'm just, I, I just find the psychology of dismissing sex workers an aspect of a, of a, of a, of a cancer that's much deeper inside of our view of human sexuality and exploitation and ownership in our society. And that, and if we picked at that scab and we solved that, we would dwell far deeper into who we are to become better people on every tangent when it comes to exploitation in every field from 
you know, fucking people working in dangerous mines to bad, you know, farming and stuff like whatever, everything has a danger to it when it's put in a capitalistic spectrum. And if you sort of observe the concept of sex work and what it means in our society and the way we've manipulated all our values against sort of treating them like human beings, we could look at every other profession and lift it up as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the tip point of where we really need to look hard at ourselves to become better people. Sorry. No, I, dude, I no, don't apologize. No, that's one Funny. of the reasons I Another love f- talking with you because like, <laughs> I love, uh, yeah, you're just you're 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 incredibly well informed, and I love and I love having the conversation because I too love hearing someone else. I was gonna uh, posit the line there. It's just when you're saying like, no, don't shut up, don't talk, and just listen. <laughs> I was gonna use that old cliche. It's like, yeah, that's why you have two, you know, one mouth and two ears. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Just listen. Listening is going to get you farther than just. And I can't hear well out of one ear, so I gotta I, I gotta double here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, I mean, forgive me for it. It's going to sound fucking stiff as hell to bring it back. But I mean, obviously, I I wanted to say how my first time ever seeing you do stand up was your Comedy Now special. And I have seen many, 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 many Comedy Now specials. And somehow they have a way of editing out the funny of all of them. (laughs) Um, But yours is honestly, I can count on one hand how many Comedy Now specials that were, were great start to finish. That even though they probably tried to fuck up, didn't matter. Your comedy now special was great, and I that was my first chance don't to see. Remember you. it? Um, I, I, it was. Uh, I know. I, I remember aspects of it. I remember it was way too hot, and they had to stop it. Like, if you were there, you wouldn't have believed. I think they stopped it seven times during the oh, taping because really? I was sweating so much. Because they taped it in a in a. I've never experienced this in the entire twenty five years of. I think I've done probably. I've probably done 30 TV appearances. It's the only time I've been in a studio where they didn't air condition the studio. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> they shot I've, in the middle I've of heard summer. From many people, worse conditions. <laughs> and, and I was like, how, how is this possible? Like it, everybody was dying of heat. And I, of course I have, I have hyperhidrosis. So I'm just, you know, I'm, and at the time I didn't have like, I do now 30 minutes on sweating. Uh, so, <laughs> so I was very young at the time, but I couldn't stop sweating. So they had to stop constantly the other. And then I had a huge argument about wearing a short sleeve shirt. They weren't going to let me perform in a short sleeve dress shirt. And I'm like, hey, look at me. I'm dying of heat. I have to have a short sleeve dress shirt. They wanted you what full dress shirt. Or yeah. Something? They were almost going to not tape because That's I, ridiculous. I know it's such a weird thing over wardrobe, it, but I, I don't remember the comedy I did. I know I was still very young, but I can remember some of it only I because I never No, I'm not going to throw it out. I don't, but I, uh, I just remember that was my first time seeing you. I had never, I mean, you were at West and I'm a leak at that point, only just a kid watching whatever comedy I can get my eyes on. Wasn't a comic. That was my second special. Was it really? Yeah, because I, I nobody remembers this show, but I'd, I'd already taped uh, comics. Yeah, CBC comics, yeah. and that was an interesting show because that was in a real uh, kind of that was in a studio studio, so it didn't even feel it didn't feel like a comedy club. Whereas at least comedy now is like in a in a theater, like right, you know. Whereas this was like in a TV studio where people were sitting in, and it was and they laughed too much. Oh really? <laughs> like, but uh, but we got to shoot little sketches in between which I loved about comedy, uh, the comics. So uh, one sketch, uh, I still liked them both. One was um, uh, why I was good at dealing with the audience. And I explained to the interview, I got Peter Mansfield 
Mansbridge, Mansbridge, yeah, yeah. to interview. He he he, because you he had all the CBC's sort of stuff at at your disposal. So it's Peter Mansbridge interviewing me about how I was so good with hacklers. And I go, well, I had the worst hackler in my life in this town, and uh, what I did was, and it was a la um, um, uh, Inspector Clouseau with Cato. Oh, okay, I brought him home with me. So that whenever I came home, I would get hackled in order to practice. And so we went to my place, and it was uh, Lawrence Morgenstern okay. just hackling me as soon as I walked through the door. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I always liked that sketch. I was like, uh. I'll see if I, I that I never got to see, but I uh, I just remember thinking you were the greatest. So when I started stand up comedy, um, you were already in the UK. So how long into your comedy career, like, and what what made oh, wow. you decide to move to the UK? Well, I moved to LA first. I lived in LA Did for you? Okay. seven and a half years. So I moved to LA in '96, I think. Um, I was at I'd done Just for Laughs. That was the first time I did Just for Laughs, and I did the Montreal show, which is the smallest show in at the JFL. Um, and it's why I moved to Montreal because I couldn't even get an audition in Vancouver because back then they didn't even come out there to look at any of the talent. So I moved to Montreal and uh, I spent a year there and I got the local show and there's 10 of us on there. And uh, I did, I did my set and uh, I was just, I, I lucked out and um, some guys from Warner brothers were there Oh yeah, and they, they loved it. And so they didn't have a manager. I didn't have a phone. My phone got cut off. This is a true story. So I was so poor. I'd never been poorer than when I lived in Montreal and I yet somehow very happy. Um, and so they called my neighbor across the street and they had to come across cause they, he's a comic too. Oh, okay. Okay. I was going to say and, that's, yeah, well, they, that sounds like more effort than any book. I, I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have a phone number cause you know, my phone was disconnected. So they called the, uh, I think it was Craig, uh, different Craig than everybody knows. He was an improv guy. And so he came over and goes, Hey, um, the guy from the festival needs to talk to you. And so I walked over to his house and I picked up the phone. <laughs> He's like, Hey, uh, do you want to meet for coffee? Uh, talk? So he offered to represent me. I didn't know it at the time that Warner brothers already wanted to do a deal with me. So, oh, okay. Yeah. It's kind of, Oh, he just went yeah. to get his piece of it. Yeah. In retrospect, I get it. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I don't hold any, I, but I define that that was like the first sort of entrance of how I, of, of Hollywood and how it worked. And then, uh, so they offered me this deal, but by the end of the week I had ever, I had offers from just everyone. I had Disney and Fox and like, there was like, I, I had people passing me their cards over bathroom doors and really, yeah, it was it, the first festival. I'll, I, it could never be repeated. I cause I don't think that exists anymore. That feeding frenzy of deals back then. Right. But it was an incredible experience. Like, I mean, and I, I had my choice of every agent, like, I mean, UTA, CAA, Gersh, you know, I ended Very up signing cool. with William Morris, you know, but I took meetings everywhere, you know, and they are all. And, and, and it was just, it was, it was, it was an unreal time. It was like this, but it was, they were making mistakes. Like I think they're kind of making now. I was just, I wasn't a very good comic. <laughs> I really wasn't. I mean, I, you, can, you can go, Oh, well you had something. I, I had something, mm -hmm. but I wasn't a good comic back then. I was just, I was, had a good look and I was young, but I didn't have enough life experience to be a good comic. I certainly didn't have life tools to deal with any type of level of success. And I, I went in LA and I did, and I went through a series of deals. I was with Warner brothers and then I had like three from HBO and castle rock and Fox. Mm -hmm. So I went through all these deals, um, 
to try and you know get me to you know create a sitcom and i just i couldn't handle the pressure i i, I was awful at auditions i didn't like being judged <laughs> no no <laughs> like, i don't like i don't like auditions either um but i you know i got to i did get to be at the genesis of the alternative comedy movement which was a real privilege so, and that was actually something i didn't realize at the time was such an amazing thing um and also i i was i was basically run out of the community too because of my stupid behavior mm. and my lack of empathy and consideration um but uh to artistic people i didn't understand artistic people i was still a small town canadian boy so i didn't right. i didn't get that not everybody wasn't going for laughs some people were going and i didn't understand that back then i couldn't understand it i didn't i was you know and i regret not being smart enough but I mean, but I did get the advantage of I got to, you know, I got to do tons of shows with like Sarah Silverman, Gene Graffalo and Marilyn Rice Cub and, you know, Patton Oswalt and Lady yeah. Patch. And that was all my group. Uh, you yeah. know, that was, that was who I was doing shows with. And I was like, I was like this kid at the time. They were all older, but I was part of that. But I slowly, you know, wore out my welcome with my behavior, mm. you know, and also a little bit of alcohol abuse to mix in with that because you, you know, you're scared and you, you do what you can. I didn't handle those years very well. And ultimately, by the end of it, by the time I left LA, I had probably the lowest self esteem I'd ever had in my life, mm. you know, and I'd broken up with my fiance at the time. And, you know, and that was by the time it was 2003. And I just, I went to, I went to North Carolina for a year. And I just decided I was going to do the road and just do comedy clubs in the South, which doesn't exactly lift your self-esteem being a northerner. <laughs> um, but I need to recover. And so I smoked a lot of pot. I learned to surf. And uh, I did shows for a year out there. And then I kind of regrounded myself. I swallowed my pride. I came back to Canada. I moved back to Vancouver. And, uh, and I spent two years just focusing on falling in love with myself again and not, and not hating myself for my behavior and growing up and learning to be responsible, pay my bills, mm -hmm. and all these things that I just didn't know how to do and just become a fucking adult. And I did all those things, you know, it took me two years. And, and I remember being really happy and f happy myself. And that's when I, you know, attracted my wife. And I've always said this about love. It's that you got to get your shit together. You got to love yourself before you can attract somebody else Mm -hmm. to love you and also to love somebody else appropriately. And I wouldn't have known that younger and I treated my relationships poorly because I didn't love myself early on, but now loving myself, I knew that I could love somebody else too. Yeah. And so now I've, you know, we, we fell in love. We got married. I've been, this is 11 years now. We've been together and we so moved, you guys met in Vancouver, not Vancouver. Okay. Yeah. And then we, you know, she got offered a modeling contract in the UK. So I went over and, um, yeah. And just things clicked for me. And that was also the time when the, the, the crash happened. So modeling died. I, a lot of people don't realize that, but advertising pages, you know, Vogue went from 400 pages to 200 mm. in 2007 because there's no advertising. So there's no work for models. And then also the transition to digital changed a lot too. So she was, she wasn't getting as much work, but comedy was taking off for me. And so I stayed there for seven and a half years and just focused on that you know <laughs> yeah well and and i remember because i remember like uh, vividly when i was i was you and i had chatted a couple times on facebook and then i saw a post of yours that said you were moving back to toronto yeah and i immediately was like i have a show coming up i would love you to be on it um that was the hilarious bastards uh what a oh, year or so ago a, such a great show yeah yeah and hey, you well, really do a good job there wow <laughs> well thanks i haven't done it and i haven't done one close to a year now but really uh, that was yeah awesome that, it's a fun fun show three headliners doing 20 minutes yeah you know what i mean like, well that's this, very british well that's why yeah. it was that uk format i was talking yeah. with brian lasnik 
uh, a while back and Brian was saying how like, and your name came up in the conversation about just how like these guys over there, they're killing it 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, intermission, yeah. 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Now a 90 minute show, there isn't enough time or room to do that. Yeah. But you know, he was just saying how like, I don't know why nobody just thinks let's just, you just put on a monster show yeah. 20 minutes uh, with, with headliners. They're going to just kill it with, with a stuff 20 minutes. And that's a show. No one's going to forget. So I, took the the chance on it and i was like well i can't do four of them but i can do three yeah and i could i got hotel sponsors to to put everybody up and everything like that and uh just just made it viable enough right and i'm like i the only night i didn't get the club is a monday though so it does make it hard to sell the place out and things like that in a government town on a work night kind oh, of yeah, thing yeah. right so um it went well the first few i think what it was it was just I was doing too tour. many of them well it, but here's the other thing because you you comment you're like look you're smart you're doing smart i'm like look I have no idea how to do that <laughs> stuff. I, I know how to use the club that I already have at my disposal to, yeah. to book a show and everything like that. But the idea of like not being in the city where I can't like, cause I'll hit the ground and I'll promote, I'll do the work. I guess for me, what it is is I don't necessarily know what all the work is involved. Mm. So if I was buying a venue in another city and I'm not there to make sure that those posters are going up and that that promotion is being done, it's very, uh, I think the best, the best example for how to do that is Dan Quinn out West. Yeah. I mean, Dan, uh, turned the Snowden. It's, it's on its 10th year or 11th year now. Snowden comedy festival. Uh, yeah. When did they start? 2008. So it's nine, 10 years. I don't know. It's coming up. It's a, but, um, he started that, you know, just a small little thing and just, you know, you, you, you take it in the teeth for the first three years. That's just the thing with anything, any festival, anything like that. You know, you don't want, you don't, you don't make money. You don't, you don't lose money either. You just work way harder just to break even. Right. And then you, you take where the, where it's growing and you, and you, you fuel that and you get it bigger and bigger. And now it's like, God, he, he makes, he makes enough in that month to pay for his entire year. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> like, one of the things that I want to work on. Yeah. And, um, but a tour is now it's a brand. Now he's got a brand, you know, that's bigger than the names on the show, the brand itself. Right. So, uh, the, the, he's got. He's just very smart. He hustles, works, never stops finding sponsors, getting ways. And what, and through that trial and error too, like immense trial and error, like between Facebook ads and print ads and all these things, which ones actually drive you in different seats and different markets have different things, mm -hmm. you know, and different pairings with radio stations and different papers, like some radio stations, they'll do deals with a lot of promoters. If you got a show coming to the theater where they'll promote it on the air for a certain amount of tickets and then a certain amount off of each ticket. So like if, so let's say it's a $25 ticket, you know, $2 goes to the radio station, you know, if they, and then they'll promote it and they'll right. do a deal with you. And like, you know, they're all in, they all got their hands in there, but you got to figure out which one's worth it. Well, and that's the thing I need to, I need to get more of it now. Now, speaking of brands and sponsors, I've been looking <laughs> for an opportunity to, uh, to insert this here. Okay. Who, uh, who's well, well, the, uh, the newest, uh, sponsor for, uh, for that is, is actually back is uh, absolute comedy. They are right. the only people <laughs> who get to advertise during the bonus episodes <laughs> with the guests. So right. this is where uh, I say, of course, thank you to my sponsors, absolute comedy. Okay. And, uh, and then I play, uh, I play their ad for 60 seconds. You know, I get to take a break. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Absolute Comedy is the best live stand-up comedy from across North America with locations in Kingston, Toronto, and Ottawa, Ontario. These comedians have been featured on Just for Laughs, Netflix, Comedy Central, CBC's The Debaters, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Conan, The Comedy Network, and much, much more. Go to absolutecomedy.ca to see this week's lineup. Planning a night out is easy with dinner and show packages available at all locations. 
Live comedy is a great choice if you're organizing a celebration, fundraiser, company outing, or corporate event. Want the show brought to you? They'll send comedians to your venue with performances tailored to your event, creating a night of laughs your guests will love and won't soon forget. So for showtimes, ticket prices, gift certificates, special shows, and more, head to absolutecomedy.ca. Again, that's absolutecomedy.ca for the best live stand-up comedy from across North America. And we're back. Sorry, I'm trying not to make us too, too hot here. I'm going to turn our mics back up. We were just having a little chat while you guys listen to that. Um, I checked my social media <laughs> after all that fucking talk. But no, I just, I, I, I get people communicate to me on all the platforms. That's the one thing I can't get rid of is the messages I get. So you get messages from people that just want to reach out to you. It's, uh, I keep it as an address book too. I'm not, yeah. I'm not very active on social media. I will share the occasional odd couple animals video, just things that make me feel happy and smile. I'll, I'll share, <laughs> I will share the happy stuff. Because everyone else is sharing the negative and the angry stuff. So I'm like, I, I'm not the counterbalance, but uh, I try to just. Well, when I go on Twitter, I, I usually keep it to like four or five minutes because I'll go on and I'll I'll have written down jokes in my notes all day and I'll, I'll have ideas and thoughts that I think are funny. And then I'll wait till I'm at home or someplace where, you know, and I'll just put them all on at once, which is I know that's the wrong way to do it because somebody told me, oh, you're supposed to put them on at five and nine a.m. and stuff like that. Hootsuite. Yeah, I'm not up at nine and uh, I'm not. I don't, I don't. And also you're supposed to space them out, but I'm like, fuck that. I just do them all at once. And uh, yeah, I use a thing on the computer. It's called Hootsuite. It's free yeah, if you only have a couple. Oh, no, so like, you can write them and then schedule them. So you can do it all at once, no, but you don't have to I've, be there when they. Hootsuite when they offered me this thing, this free two-year management thing, because they they, uh, they approach. Uh, uh, it's back in the UK. They're like, oh, okay, okay, because they wanted to get sort of people on it. There were comics and things to use their product, but I, I, and it's great. But I just, it's, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're a good company. I love that they're Canadian too. Yes, um, yeah, I think just, are I, they out west. Yeah, they're out west. They're, they're a really good company, and I mean, and I think they're great for brand management and stuff like that. But again, I try not to think of myself as a brand, more as a human. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's hard sometimes because then, as soon as you start being a human, then people start trying to exploit your humanity. Yeah, yep. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like that close talker after the show. It's like, hey, I really loved your show, and then you want to be genuine back to them. Oh, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. And what's your name? Stuff like that. But they don't realize that there's like 40 other people that want to talk to you. And then they try to monopolize you. And then they talk to you real close. And then it's like, okay, but there's <laughs> – then you've, they've, they've kind of exploited that aspect of your own personal humanity. But at the same point, I'm thrilled that they care and that they're such loving people and they're interested in me. At the same point, there's like four people here trying to talk to me too. Man. Yeah. And it's like you can't – Yeah, can't ration it out. Yeah, yeah, ration it out. Be self-aware. Reasonable. Like talk to me, but maybe maybe say hello, then stand to the side and wait while everyone else gets a turn and then see if there's seconds afterwards, well, that's right? That's actually something I've been thinking about doing on YouTube is showing people how to talk to comics after a show. Yeah. Because there's – I know it sounds horrible, but people are incredibly cruel sometimes to other comics. And I, uh, nothing will make me more upset is if somebody comes up to me at, after a show and they'll go, I thought you were funny. And I'm like, why would you say that in front of the other comic? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? You were my favorite. Why do you have to compare yeah, us or, yeah. or quantify? Like, Just say, I enjoyed the show. Who Thank does you guys. That to people? Like, who, oh, where, yeah. where, what other job would that be okay? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I had someone say that to me right next to the, I was hosting and yeah. someone said that to me right next to the headliner. They're like, you were the best one on the show. I go, oh my God, what a nice thing to say. Right in front of the headliner. To- 
yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know. And I mean, it happens everywhere. I've, I've had people say it to other comics, and they're it, it doesn't actually bother me that much when people say it to other comics. Because I can totally agree when those people like those people. It's like, yeah, they're probably right for you. First of all, comedy is completely subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, you're never gonna have everybody like you, but people act like their opinion is the be all end all. And well, yeah. and I've always what are you guys all judges on American Idol? You are good. I voted but that's thumbs new. up. That's new. And yeah. I, having done this for 25 years, yeah, I remember right. when people used to say, "Oh man, I thought you were great tonight." You know? I was like, "Oh, thanks." That was the go-to thing people said 20 years ago. <laughs> it changed about 15 years ago to uh you're funny. You're funny. You're not funny. Like it turned, it changed to the judgment. Something happened in 25 years where it changed from an opinion to a judgment. And I find that fascinating because that's not just in comedy. We're just a bellwether, but that's in everything we experience. Like, hey, um, I just had some curry at this restaurant. It's the best curry ever, or it's the worst curry ever. Who fucking cares? To you, it's yeah. what it is. You know, it, people have a self-importance. <laughs> people have a self-importance now that they didn't maybe, maybe oh, before. Because now it's like, oh, everything I say matters now. Well, it, it, we're all going through this solipsistic delusion right now that we're all living in movies and and we're living in a, in a sort of a, 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 a taped reality that's artificial. Um, that we're, I mean, there's this phenomenon right now where people think they're being observed even when they're not being observed. So mm-hmm. their behavior, even when they're alone, isn't natural. I'm like, fuck, that's crazy. That's just crazy. That's where we're living right now. And we've allowed this to happen through, you know, constantly being exposed to the thing that me and you both love. Technology is an Mm -hmm. aspect of it. It's like I used to talk about how people used to behave better on buses when I was growing up. And the reason being is that you had to be on that journey for the next two hours with other people on buses. So Mm -hmm. you didn't act like a dick. Because, you know, there's 30 other people on that bus that would think you're a dick. Now you can act like a dick on that bus and then everybody hates you. You go to your phone and somebody else someplace will go, you know what? You were right. Don't you worry about it. Because there's no. Yeah, that's what they look for. Your your allegiance validation is not to those around you anymore. And it's turned us all into these. Well, to borrow a term from China with their one child policy, little emperors Mm -hmm. and empresses for that matter. Um, cause I mean, this is a non-gender specific poor behavior sort of thing. Um, both genders are awful at it. Uh, <laughs> we're just, we're becoming more and more self-centered and less tolerant of other people being other people. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder where the end game for that. Will we swing back? I, I mean, our hope is we'll swing back. I always thought certain technologies might help us become more empathetic. That was my hope with virtual reality is I had this idea that perhaps through the intimate, complete immersion to an alternative reality that we can create. We can much like novels. They, they show that people that read more novels are more empathetic because they see things from a very, I mean, novels get right inside your head. You feel like, I mean, novels are the old virtual reality, <laughs> right? Know? Yeah. Like, like novels, yeah, you, you, the reconnection with yeah. your imagination. Yeah. When you, when you, when you, when you write from an omniscient perspective, you're, you're existing inside of a character's headspace while observing the world. I mean, Rasnalinkov in uh, crime and punishment, his guilt was so transitional and mod- in novel format because of the way it was written was our own thoughts and guilts and wonders of killing this, uh, this, this loan shark and her innocent sister. And even though we thought we were 
were doing good. We also did a tremendous evil and it corrupted us. I mean, that's crime and punishment was the first one that sort of take us to that place. And that made everybody that read that book a better person Mm -hmm. because it took them through something they would never do themselves. 99% of us are never going to kill a pawn or alone or somebody that's exploited like that. But we're also, you know, we're never going to do that, but we, we went through it all. We lived that and it taught us a different perspective and compassion. And that's what novels did. I thought that VR would be do that. Like we could experience, you know, like what it's like to live in a village in Africa or, you know, or, or be in a, a worker's factory in China or different perspectives. But I don't know if that's where we're going. Yeah. <laughs> might be hard might, to move units on that one. <laughs> it might be a little bit optimistic, you know, like I always thought it would be a great device for teaching uh, uh, the concept of the good man with the gun is futile. Um, like I've always, I tried, I actually pitched this as a video game to a company here in town. They seemed excited about the philosophical component of it, but, but I still think it could be done is, uh, is showing a virtual reality of being in a mass shooting, um, being in a mall where somebody starts shooting and you don't, and you need to hide and you need to protect yourself and you don't realize, and this is the neat thing about the way I was going to pitch is you don't realize who you are because you only see other people. But you, after a while, realize he's targeting people that look like you, and you realize like you're black, or you're, or you're gay, or you're, mm-hmm. or you're transgender, you're, you're, or a minority of some sort. But you don't know it until you see that this is after you, and then you're offered the ability of a gun, and you realize that a gun doesn't protect you or other people, because much like people experienced in Vegas, you know, they, there's an interesting story. So I pull out a gun. How does the police know I'm not part of the problem? Right. You know, you're a civilian with a gun. A good man with a gun can't save somebody when they're shooting from a, you know, 40 stories up with a high powered rifle. You're yep. doing nothing. You know, yep. this, this idea that, you know, it, it, it it's bigger than that. It's a, it's a, you know, but I thought that would be a neat storyline and a way to teach people that are adamant gun owners that you know you're kind of powerless in these situations where you're yeah you think you could protect yourself but again when the cops show up how do they know you're not one of the shooters they just see you shooting another human being as well how yeah yeah and i and i get i totally the thing is is i have immense empathy for gun owners because i get it i've fired guns i've shot guns they're fun there's no question they're not fun that's a that's a lunacy of the left to go guns aren't fun guns are very fun Mm -hmm. they're not right (laughs) <laughs> you shouldn't yeah. be accessible, but they're fun. Um, and it sounds like how could killing some shooting targets is fun. I, I would never want to kill anything. There's a, I'm sure there's a sense of power. I've never held one. I, I kind of don't really have any interest in it. Well, of course. Yeah. But I, yeah, I only because I'm, I'm like, I would just be terrified of, of, accident like i said making mistakes I'm terrified, I'd be of, terrified mistake. of when i start crying alone by myself yeah. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, having that quick and out you know like yeah. no i don't want a gun for that yeah um there's a lot of reasons why i, I would never want to own a gun you know and and they're all part of my rational brain um but if i let my emotional take over then of course uh, but that's the that's the duality with everything in our life you know like we, we, we're all, and, and the other thing is we're always told to move with our hearts or you know, you got to kind of pull away from that and be with, you know, as, as much as your heart is nice and it touches you something about empathy, there is also bad idea, stats, science. <laughs> yeah, <know>? absolutely. 100%. <laughs> yeah, they got to use them both. Nothing's easy. That's the other, that's the thing I was trying to, and this is sort of my obsession right now is that we're all looking for simple answers for everything because simplicity allows everybody at the table to have an opinion because simplicity. Simplicity, uh, even the dumb people can wrap their heads around simplicity. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. why there's so many of these tropes and ideas and, and simple, just do this, just do that. 
But the fact is, is the world's not simple. The world's insanely complex and absolutely everything is different. We can only make, we can only improve things by variables. They'll never be completes. And that's the other illusion. It's like, oh, if we just do this, this problem will be solved. No, no. Uh, you can either slightly make things better or slightly make things worse. <laughs> yeah. You'll never solve every problem. Well, it's like the diet pill, right? <laughs> just take a pill and you lose your weight. Yeah. And it's, it's everybody wants that quick fix with these arguments. And it's like, yeah, well, as much as you don't want to eat right and go to the gym and do the exercise and do the work to get the results, nobody wants to sit down, listen, have the conversations, look <laughs> at other people's perspectives. That's, but that's the work yeah. of getting the end result. We all want this, but like you said, it's all, all this expectation is going to be simple. And well, it's not, you yeah, got to put in the work. We, we should all be lowering our expectations so much, mm -hmm. uh, with, with each other, you know, the world would be a lot better place if we did, if we just lowered our expectations, not to the point where we thought everybody was awful. Cause this is the other amazing thing that we don't, I mean, it's, it's so easy to get caught up in the negative and stuff like that. But then again, then you look at statistics again and you go, Oh shit, we're living in the greatest time ever. For the fact that we have the least chance of ever being killed in this modern day and age, least chance of ever being robbed, which is quite well, uh, physically robbed, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. not, not, not exploited. Um, and this is a tough one. People don't believe with the lowest chance of ever being raped or sexually assaulted, yeah. uh, child abuse is at its lowest it's ever been violence. Uh, all levels of violence are at their lowest in the history of the world in the history of the world. But we all think that we're living in incredibly dangerous times. You look at parents right now. Parents are like, oh, my kid's going to be abducted. Your child's never been safer. And I used to walk alone to school. Mm -hmm. hey, fuck, I was six. My parents, I was. A, now, if you let your kid walk alone to school at six, they'll arrest the parents for uh, for child abuse or for, for not taking care of their like kid. Like negligence? Yeah. There, there's a case in the States where this woman let her kid walk home. I walked home every day when I was six. Like that was just, every kid did. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure we were getting, and from what I've learned in the news, a lot of us were getting abused. <laughs> um, but now kids are way safer than ever been, but parents act, you know, there's, there's some, there's a disconnect and you got to wonder who's profiting off the fear that they're putting in us and what that fear is creating in our children and their outlook in the world. And I, is it becoming, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I, I, I worry about a lot of things in that aspect because I think that we are great. Most of us are pretty good. 10% of us are fucking awful. Absolutely. Maybe even more. Somebody tried to convince me it was 20%. I don't know if that's right, but about 10 to 20% of every group, uh, white, black, women, men, gay, transgender, every subsection, 20% of every group are, or 10 to 20, I'd say 10, they say mm. 20, are awful. <laughs> and the majority are good, but we, we focus on the awful to make generalizations about the rest mm -hmm. and they wreck it for everyone. <laughs> yeah well that's that's yeah it's like i mean it's all like all media stuff to show you the example the bad examples to get you to buy into think that's all that's happening but yeah i mean you talk to the majority of people in in israel the majority are great mm -hmm. you talk to the majority of the people in palestine they're great mm -hmm. those two will never get along because of the 20 percent on each side well <laughs> yeah i actually use that believe it or not in regular like day-to-day -day, uh, examples because there's it's interesting a lot of things about marketing because there's a lot of psychology in marketing but i've got a lot of experience with like marketing stuff and whatnot and and sales and things like that and uh you know one of the things that they they taught me right from the early thing on was that uh you know you're 10 times more likely to talk about a bad experience than a good one right so yeah. and that's the thing so so as soon as something bad happens you can go
go to you can go to a, a restaurant that's great and and people have a good time all the time. But then somebody has one bad experience, they're gonna they're gonna call their friends or tell their friends not to go. They're gonna write a blog about it. Where they're yeah. gonna write a negative review and anywhere that you can. And the idea. So when I go out and I I have a good experience, doesn't matter where I go, whether it's restaurant or a store or whatever. Yeah. I always will say. Give me your card. I'd love to send your manager an email and say you did a great job because they're only going to hear about the bad, bad times. They're never going to hear about the good. So it's like you said, you there's, there's 90% great. You know, I would say even higher number in certain situations, but that's why you only get to hear about the bad, but that's all. That's why I reply to absolutely everybody that writes me. Um, I, I, and for a while there, I was getting lots and lots of emails from around the world after my special first came out. Is I, was, I was thinking to myself, like what it would take, and when when you would write somebody about liking something, I thought about my own life, how seldom I sat down and go, you know what, this was just amazing. Thank you very much. Uh, but I know I've complained about stuff yeah. a lot, and I was so that made it a lot easier to discount the people that complain because <laughs> it's easy to complain. The people that reached out and wanted to share something or or or, or, or with me a positive, I was like, fuck, that takes a lot of work to do that. Well, it's because like yeah. you said, right at the beginning was about about uh, with with love is to give to give love without ever expecting anything back. Yeah. We complain because we want somebody back. We want someone to make it right. Not Maybe not necessarily, but I'm saying like when no, you complain, right. I complain, yeah, get, get yeah. back to me and give me a free meal or or whatever it is. You want something out of it. Whereas when, you just, when you're just giving a, a compliment or just The majority of my love. complaints are aimed at corporations, mm-hmm. which I think have de- dehumanized us to the point where, yeah. Sorry, my cat's acting up. <laughs> We're just watching Stealing the cat get up and oh, stress. That's his tea. No. She can have some. <laughs> no. She doesn't like rooibos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Someday is. I'll have a video podcast and everyone can enjoy these happenings that, that happen in my interviews. Uh, but yeah, it, I, I forgot where we were. This little, little mind sweep. But you're saying uh, corporations and. Uh, yeah, I have a huge problem with the way that corporations put the onus of correction on the consumer in our modern day rather than uh, on themselves, which are the the. They, they factor in the fact that most of us won't fight back for things and they take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. So they purposely are deceptive or they purposely sort of like, for example, grocery stores in Canada, actually everywhere around the world, this is actually a, a policy of theirs, is they're incredibly misleading specifically with prices by putting something that's uh, cheaper that looks similar next to something that's more expensive because they assume that the consumer and their right will make a mistake at the checkout and not check it. And this happens everywhere. Um, I have huge problems with the multiple purchasing um, three for this price, because that does a lot of damage to our environment. Um, and it's unfair to the consumer because you're, you're pushing on a price point of us over consuming a product um, in order. And this is one of the reasons why we throw out 80% of the produce that we buy mm-hmm. is that most of our produce in a lot of cities is sold at multiple uh, discount for a great deal where it shouldn't be. I mean, uh, one thing about BC and I love this about British Columbia is that they have a law where you can't do that, but they still you can't act- do like a three for whatever. No, law? Yeah, they have to offer you each individual unit. It's about the only good thing happening in BC at this moment, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think it's the most corrupt province in the entire country. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it's a shame. It is a shame because it's a wonderful, wonderful place, but their government has been complete co-opted by dirty money that is, destroyed the social fabric of, of British Columbia to the point where it's destined for collapse or that poor people are going to be moved out because uh, the land prices have destroyed the natural function of an interactive society with, with arts and culture and people. And uh, it, I think it's, it's gotta, something bad's gotta happen before something good can happen to be yeah. to survive. And their corruptness of their government is just 
mind boggling, like just mind boggling. Un, un, you're allowed to donate directly to the uh, under provincial law directly to the candidates with no uh, bookkeeping. Okay. Put that on top of right. the real estate boom and the corporations that don't have to show who owns what. And on top of that foreign, it's the only place in North America where foreign governments and foreign bodies can donate to political campaigns. So imagine the type of behind the scenes deals that go on. In oh God. Yeah. And you see it in the ludicrous way The taking $200 million out of the public school and giving it to private school specifically. That's one that just absolutely floors me. You know, you're, you're giving money to private rich kids schools from the general, like just stuff like that happens regularly in British Columbia. And uh, the people haven't woken up to it yet because they're kind of all profiting to a certain degree off the land bubble. But if that ever goes the opposite direction, there'll be a reckoning. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> there'll be a real no, I'm reckoning. Just, uh, yeah. yeah. That's horrible. Vancouver right now is the most expensive place to live in Canadian history for the cost of living in the history of Canada since ever uh, it was, it was factored Canada to live in Vancouver right now, your rent takes 82% of the average income, 82%. That doesn't factor in the fact that groceries and everything is beyond the price because the rent pushes the grocery prices up. Yep. Rent pushes everything up, right? You know, the only thing you're getting right now is air. And there's a time when that's going to be pushed up too. very, very fascinating place to, to a microcosm of unfairness. But, you know, especially for people that are notoriously liberal, that's what fascinates me about yeah. BC too. This place where we all, oh, pot smoking hippies from BC yeah. are the most brutally corporate. <laughs> and, and Oh, they're doing a great job of making themselves look like, <laughs> hey man, let's hang Total- out and have a good time. We're all buddies, right? Oh, yeah. This is so free over they, here. They bought in hook, line, and sinker into the whole sort of the, the capitalistic agenda there because once they t- got a taste of it, they all their values went out the window. It's, it's mass corruptibility. It's quite fascinating. Nonetheless, um, I went off topic again. I'm sorry. I, 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 I honestly, I was listening, but I spent the last 30 seconds trying to go. What were we talking about? I'm sorry. We're not even smoking pot. That's just crazy. no. I'm sorry. I'm just, I, I digress too much, and I also value my own opinion too much. I shouldn't be talking like this. <laughs> you do the same thing I do. Is is you talk about something you're passionate about? You go in a bunch of different directions. I always forget to go back and finish what I started talking about. And I'm sure the listeners are all like, "What was?" I may, you know what? Some of them care, some of them don't. And then they give us shit for apologizing too much. Just, we're listening, all right? We're enjoying it. Stop apologizing. Oh, really? I don't know. Yeah, you I, don't have to apologize because if they didn't give a shit what we were talking about, they would have stopped listening and they're not here for the apology anyways. Uh, yeah. I'm, I, and and this, here's my my favorite thing. I go, I take my advice. I'm not using it because I'm like, yeah, it makes that much sense. But I'm still not comfortable. I still apologize I every I'm not episode. giving advice. I'm just sort of my own person. No, I mean me. Things. I'm giving you the advice to not worry. Don't worry about it. Don't apologize. I don't take it. I still constantly worry. I love that saying though. Take my advice. I'm not using it. That is a good. <laughs> I always was told uh, never give advice because a wise man doesn't need it and a fool will never listen. It was mm-hmm. always one that I always like. Yeah, uh, I, there's all sorts of little sayings that pop in, but there's always exceptions to all those rules. So I, yeah, it's hard to you don't want to get caught up in those things. I guess I don't know. I don't know anything. That's the that's the problem. I I, I think I know some stuff, and then always somebody smarter comes along and, and will tell me something. I'm like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. I like that, and I think that's my position for a lot of things too. I was actually talking to a counselor. Um, uh, it was a, it was a relationship counselor. And, uh, and she asked me like, at what point do I, I'm paraphrasing cause I can't remember exactly what she had said, but she was like, at what point do you basically decide that this is how you feel about something? And I was like, never, I go, I never, I never go now. I'm now this is the concrete thing. I go, my, 
ideas and opinions that are always evolving. Yeah. At any point, somebody can enter in a new piece of information that's going to make me reevaluate everything. Not, I'm not to say that I flip flop constantly, but the idea is that I never put up, you know, it's like a joke. We never just go, now it's done forever. There's no, right. always room always for it to grow. Her. That's actually a great Yeah, point. and that's that's how I feel but about my opinions. Only, I, think always... com- I think that's only comics will relate to that. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe you could relate it. I don't know. What are other people? A golf swing, maybe? You're always tinkering with your golf swing, right? You don't you always yeah. try to make it better. I don't know. I don't know. But, but anything that you're passionate about, you should always try to make better. Why would you ever just go, now it's as good as it'll ever be, and let's just never work on it again. And I feel like that's... That's why I'm I'm open. I, I say the same thing that you do. I go, I don't know anything. I don't know it all because I feel like I'm always still learning it. Every piece of information I'm trying to get is always open to improvement and whatnot. So I'm never ready to grab something and just throw it in the shelf and go, I know this. I go, I think right now I understand X amount of this much. And it's yeah. always just... It's always just coming out of boxes and slightly just being slightly better. That's 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 the goal. I I do know I know some stuff uh, though, but not nothing. But there's nothing like in steel, you know. Like you're always. I mean, I I wouldn't be open minded to anybody trying to tell me why. Uh, and this is here a flaw. If somebody tries to tell me why drink why I drink coffee uh, is bad. I know that there's probably good arguments for how much coffee I drink is bad, but I will be honest with you. I'm not open minded about it. I, I don't want to hear it. It's uh, I've, I, I, I've done a lot to be a good person in a lot of ways. I'm not ready to give up coffee. And until Is I, that why you're not open to it? Because they not, might convince you to exactly, not do it? Exactly. They okay. Might, they might have a good idea. But here's, it's an example of where I am a bad person, just like everybody, like, like I'm not like open-minded about everything. I, I hear myself shutting, shutting down the doors when somebody's got a great argument about why Starbucks is a piece of shit. And I'm like, I fucking love Starbucks. <laughs> I fucking love Starbucks. You know, you know they're a large corporation. Oh yeah. yeah. And, 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 oh, it's against a lot of things. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll do that thing that I see Republicans do when they talk about things that they're passionate about that I disagree with. They'll cherry pick certain things. Like somebody will go, Oh, they're a horrible corporation. And I go, yeah, but Starbucks was the first one to give a uh, uh, spouse, same sex spouses benefits. Benefits fully on their thing. That's pretty impressive. I'm like, yeah, but Starbucks is, yeah, but they're the first ones to offer medical to to their part time workers in the United States. And I'll cherry, and they've done some good things. They've done yeah. some really good things. Yeah. But fuck yeah, sure, they bought palm oil from Indonesia that decimated the entire habitat of orangutans in Borneo. I know that too, but I I choose <laughs> not to think about it. We're all lawyers because I fucking coffee's so good, <laughs> and I love it. I love their fucking coffee, and I but I know that so we. We all have parts of us that we still support the bad. And I just, uh, I mean, if I came face to face with a teary eyed orangutan holding its dead orangutan baby and said, and said, put down your coffee and save my baby orangutan's life. Yeah. Okay. I would have, I would have a hard time having my coffee, but please don't let that happen. Yeah. I was gonna say, it's, now you guys who want him to hear like, your list, <laughs> now you know what you have to do. It's like, it's like, it was the old saint. Was it St. Thomas Aquinas? Oh, oh Lord, give me the, the patience to be a saint, but not now. <laughs> yeah. Know? It's like, I want to be a saint, but not right not now. Not now. T- tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to enjoy the shit now. <laughs> but yeah, no, eventually. And I, we, I think that's, that's one of the, the, the common aspects of humanity that we kind of forget while we're all trying to be these super uber humans, you know, uh, in this new age of everybody's good. And uh, the, the sort of millennial sort of utopian ideal for existence is like, we're forgetting that we're all flawed. We're all flawed. Yeah. You know? Well, we're, yeah. And and that's another thing about social media is that it's going, don't show us your flaws. 
In fact, we've got all these things that will help remove them, like filters and things yeah. like that. We're going to just put the best of you. And that's the thing. And now everyone, in terms of that whole, this is what you have to live up to. Because before it was just celebrities, just the models on the cover of the magazines and the celebrities in the movies. Now you have everybody in your life that you're trying to measure up against as well as I'd like, I think we should all have a picture of our butthole somewhere, (laughs) somewhere, uh, everywhere. You don't, I, I do. Well, that's the thing. I find it funny when guys were uh, sending all their unsolicited dick pics to women and stuff like that. Cause I never, I didn't see what that would do. Uh, I can't see that eliciting a positive response from anybody in unsolicited dick. However, you can send an unsolicited asshole pick to people and they're delighted because <laughs> it's such a ridiculous thing to receive. <laughs> they're just, what the fuck? This yeah. is, that's, what is that's that? It's a baloney knot. What, there's something wrong. There's hair. Because nobody's thinking this is going to turn anybody on. Nobody's that ludicrous. <laughs> like, it's true. Just, it's just a humbling part of that we all have <laughs> that should be the thing as soon as whenever whenever that that argument on facebook goes too long butthole picture just yeah every, just, just put your butt look at this this is this can never look attractive it's like rebooting There's, the computer at no, oh okay at no Back point could anybody look at this and think highly of me after seeing this horrible <laughs> horrible part of my body <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome I uh, I think, dude, we're at a, we're at an hour fifty two, and I I've loved every minute, oh. and I could go on forever. I enjoy, I always I, enjoy our I chats. I have to pee so badly. Oh, do you? Okay, so then why don't I take this opportunity to thank you, my good friend, for oh, uh, for taking the time. Yeah, and we'll do it next time I'm in town. If you're in town again, yeah, we'll yeah, do it again. Yeah, absolutely. But I absolutely. I always love talking with you. Um, do you have anywhere where people can go? Like uh, right now, you have the special on Netflix. The name of the special again, Pete Johansson. You may also enjoy yeah, no, Pete Johansson. Yeah, you may also enjoy Pete Johansson. Yes, I got it right this time. Yeah, I don't think there's a Pete Johansson first though. I think it's called. Oh, isn't it? Uh, it looks like it says Pete. Johansson, you That's, may also enjoy Pete no, Johansson. The title of it is You May Also Enjoy. You might also enjoy Pete Johansson. Because it's based off the old Netflix suggestion thing. Oh. Is after you'd see something and go, Oh, you watch this. You might also enjoy. Oh, I got on a fucking and airplane mode. It's all right. Don't worry about it. And um that and nobody nobody wanted me to do that as a title, by the way. Just so you know. Fuck them. I know, I know. I <laughs> everything I've ever kind of enjoyed that I've made a decision of, I've been people have tried to talk me out of career wise, which I find quite funny because that title, like nobody's gonna like that title. I fucking love that title. I've never regretted it once. My next, I'll tape another special this February, and I'm, uh, I'm right now. I'm thinking uh, the title is gonna be uh, "Okay Google, show me more Pete Johansson." She's doing it now. Uh, yeah, watch. It'll react to that. Yeah, so it can't help. The me. little Google Mini is lighting up. Yeah. Sorry. Something went wrong. Try again in a few seconds. And that's exactly yeah. what my agent said when I suggested it too. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Try again in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think that's what I'm going to name it because I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like well, you, what this is what it reminds me is of the Andy Kaufman thing with the 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 the, the lines in the TV and it's like everyone's going to get up and oh, yeah. bang on their TVs and think that there's something oh, wrong. Funny. And you know what my favorite thing about Andy Kaufman? I I didn't. I, 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 Andy Kaufman had to happen because he is, uh, the, the idea of what we do had to have been deconstructed, made fun of. Somebody had to do what he did. Um, so I, I, I don't, uh, and nobody committed to it harder. Um, I, but I'm not an absolute fawning glory of him. Right. Um, but one of the things he did that I loved was that he still kept working as a bus boy after he was on TV. Cause I love that. that yeah. That's my favorite thing ever. That's that's kind of why I want to go back to school and go back in the workplace right now while my career is kind of doing really well 
And uh, that's why I want to sort of like maybe sort of step out of stand up for a bit and do other things is because why wait till it's gone bad? <laughs> wait now. And I've done good. I'm going to go. Well, it's like that's that Steve Martin thing, right? Where he said he looked at the back of the room and saw an empty table. And yeah. that's when he was like, time to time to get out. Not, I don't want to be there for it when it's all the way at the bottom. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, well, not even that. It's just like, it's also while I still have like people going, why are you in class? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like, but you're a smart guy. I mean, I, I totally, as soon as you told me what you want to do, I understood yeah. it. I understood it, but I mean, I'm not, I don't know if I'm smart. I, I that's such a weird illusion people have. Okay. You're open. I, I talk with confidence and I think that's what we call smart, but it's weird because I've met smart people and generally really smart people don't talk a lot. And I talk too much to be smart. The the smartest people I know uh, don't communicate fantastically. They're just brilliant. And that's actually one of the weird things about who we classically think is intelligent because mm-hmm. who we classically think about who is intelligent throughout history are the ones that communicated their complex ideas. There's been smarter people, but we don't know their names. I don't know about that because I the way I look at this, as soon as you're saying that, I've never put it together before. But you're absolutely it seemingly is like that. The people who are very very smart are very quiet. But I, I I think that it goes back to that whole knowledge is power thing. And there's some people who are inclined to to keep power for themselves, and then there's some people who want to equalize everything, and you can only do that when you share the power with everybody. Well, so maybe maybe you're right. Maybe there are smarter people who are quiet. But I think that all the, the people who are, who are really smart, you can be smart too. It's what you do with it. It's the application of that intelligence and knowledge. Well, you look at things like a uh, mathematician for May um, and the ideas that he possessed, he did not communicate. Well, he created uh, ideas and aspects uh, in mathematics that affect us to this day. And his, his personal formula for May, which has never been, well, we assume has never been solved in the way that he solved it. Cause he clearly solved it, but then didn't, leave us the answer he didn't communicate his his own uh understanding of mathematics well enough for us to to and he left us with a paradox that took 140 years before it was solved by a japanese mathematician using a concept that wasn't invented at that time which is uh imaginary number systems in order to solve that system which isn't what he did mm-hmm. um so we there has been brilliant people throughout history that just couldn't communicate i mean uh, the 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 amazingness of newton I mean, Newton, you've got this guy that creates calculus. Now, the fact that he was able to communicate calculus is the fucking amazing thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He was able to teach somebody else calculus. That's the breakthrough right there. It's communication is another form of genius. I mean, I'm sure that relativity was thought of by a couple of scientists around the turn of the century, given the information that we all kind of possess. But Einstein communicated it. He was able to get other people to understand what he said. There's a lot of uh, almost autistic Asperger's like individuals. And I don't mean to generalize or simplify their indicative. No, but that's part of what you're trying to communicate right now. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that have the mathematical abilities that can solve and that can work on a complex level, but they can't communicate it to you or I yeah. how they're doing it, but they can do it. Um, and it's almost mystical in a way, but there's intelligence that we can't access because of communication that's yeah, and it's brilliant locked behind something. Yeah, brilliant communicators are a different level and that's what comedy is. There's a lot of people that are very funny, but they can't communicate it to an audience. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, and isn't that our job? We come up with a premise or an idea and we know why it's funny. Now, how do I make everybody else see why this is funny? Yeah, we've all had jokes that we we think are funny, but we can't get the we can't communicate it to an audience the way we understand it. Yeah. And that's that's the barriers, true communication. That's it's a different form of brilliance, but and I, I and I've spoken absolutes earlier when I said that there's people that are I've met people that are smart. I met some people that are smart mm-hmm. that are quiet because they don't know how to communicate, but they're absolutely their brains work on a level that's faster more in depth more and it's and it's stunning to be in the presence of that and intimidating and humbling mm-hmm. and i think that's the key word we don't we're not humbled enough <laughs> around other people um but that's why that's uh, the illusion of what we consider intelligence in the modern day is different because we uh, we associate it with the person that's communicating and that's just one aspect of intelligence it's not, yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if I got that across. No, I, I understood it. I, I just keep going like, fuck, I don't want the conversation to end. <laughs> really? It only has to because I have to go fucking tell dick jokes. Oh, I have to pee so badly. <laughs> you have to pee. It all comes back to the penis. Yeah. <laughs> Pete, you were outstanding as always, buddy. And I, I uh, is there anywhere where people should follow? I mean, we've talked about getting away from social uh, media. Is there anywhere people- I'm trying to start a mailing list as my main sort of route. So my website, PeteJohansson.com, I have a thing where you can sign up to my mailing list. I have yet to send out a mailing list since last time I it was 2015 so so don't worry about me uh filling your inbox with lots of spam cool but so, if they want to be a part of what yeah what you got going on yeah. that's and then i'm I'm, I'll try, I'm gonna try and do my own podcast this year too so yeah, if you join you... my mailing list or if you follow me on uh any social media thing i will announce when i start doing my podcast but it's probably just gonna be me talking for the first little bit that's fine well exactly. let me let me know and i'll let them know Okay. Yeah. Cool, buddy. All right. Sounds all right. I appreciate you being on the show, Pete. You were <laughs> I, I find you incredibly fascinating and funny. Thank you. I yeah. love spending time, man. You're so much less racist when you're on the air. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. All right.